This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 11, continuing in our Gospel of John series. John chapter 11 from verses 1 to 44. It is the narrative of Jesus raising Lazarus. I'm sure, like myself, many of you have probably had experience some kind of painful or grieving circumstance when it comes around death. Even at my young age, I've known many people that were actually close to my age at the time who had passed away. And death, death is a tricky thing. It's a confusing experience that is a reality of our life. And we know it's from the very beginning of the Bible that when Adam and Eve sinned, death came into the world. It often raises up questions. I know in my own experience, we often ask why. Why did this person have to die? Why was it them? Especially if it was someone who we found was kind and friendly and encouraging to others who continued to uh, live for God even, right? A strong Christian. And yet he takes them away. And then through that experience and through that time, we can often feel confusion or abandonment even from God. And through my own experiences of being in funerals, especially now as, as a pastor, you often see different reactions when it comes to death. Sometimes there's just complete hopelessness. Those who have died are gone. We're not going to see them again. They're gone from this world. Sometimes there's a false hope that because of their goodness or their kindness, they're looking down upon us from heaven, that everyone goes to heaven, that everyone will be there, we'll see them, we'll enjoy fellowship with them again. And yet they didn't have their faith in Christ. They didn't rest in Jesus. And we believe that if you put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. And that's where this third reaction of death, assured hope, comes from. That through faith in Christ, we know that we will see them in eternity. But death is a difficult time. And sometimes it's hard for us in those circumstances to truly see God for who he is. We allow our circumstances instead to control what we see and what we believe about God. We can often question, why didn't you show up, God? Do you not love us? Do you not care for us? Can God really be glorified through the death of a loved one who we're close to? So as we come into this narrative, we see that Jesus has been teaching the Jews about who he is, that he is the good shepherd, that he, is, he and the Father are one. Jesus proclaimed that he lays down his life for his sheep, and he has the authority to take it back up again. That those who are his, no one will snatch out of his father's hand. The people are confused and angry. They don't see how the works of Jesus, of what he's doing, is pointing to who he is. That he is the son of God. And so many of them try to kill him or arrest him. But as we come into this narrative, we see that this event of Jesus raising Lazarus is the tipping point into a true plot to kill Jesus. This is leading to Jesus' death. We know that there's been countless times of people trying to kill Jesus, and we see this phrase, his time had not yet come. We're slowly getting to when his time is going to come. 
He'll be betrayed by his disciple Judas, abandoned from his disciples. He'll die upon the cross, as we just saw in the children's video. Yet we see that even through death, God uses it for his glory as he uses Jesus' death to save sinners and restore relationship with him as Jesus is raised on the third day. And it points to Jesus' coming death, resurrection, and authority as we look at Jesus raising Lazarus. So as we go into this passage, let us have this understanding that what Jesus is doing is to point us to him and to point ahead to his own death on the cross. Let me pray for us as we come into God's word together. Heavenly Father God, may we stand in awe of you, of your holiness, your majesty, your power, as we read from your word this morning. God, your word is truth, and may we see it rightly so. God, may we rest in your truth and hunger for your truth. Lord, guide us in wisdom, guide us in understanding, that we would know the meaning of this text and know how it points us to Christ. And Lord, increase our love for you and for one another. Lord, help us to apply this passage to our lives, that we would not just leave here just hearing it, but God, truly listening and acting upon it, God, applying it to our lives, that we would live as your disciples. God, live for you in Christ-likeness. God, may we be challenged and changed by your word the working of your spirit, that we would be obedient followers of Christ. And Lord, help me to preach your word with boldness and with gentleness, God, with humility, knowing that it is by your hand that anything of importance can be done. God, that you can truly save sinners like us. It's you who changes our hearts, and so God, may we rest upon you this morning as you save and sanctify your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me read from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you all always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with, uh, with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. So as we begin this narrative, we're introduced to Lazarus, who we hear is ill. Him and his sisters Mary and Martha were in the town of Bethany, and they sent word to Jesus of Lazarus' illness. And Jesus' response to this is that this illness will not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Already we see a profound understanding of the harsh circumstances in our world. That God can even use these things to display his glory, to reveal to us who he is. That's really the understanding of this. When, when Jesus is talking about God's glory, he's talking about this idea of God actually revealing to us who he is. A revelation of him. It is this idea of God being praised as well, but truly it is showing us a deeper understanding of God. As Jesus works through this miracle of raising Lazarus, we see the heart of our God. We see the character of our God. We see the power of our God. 
And that as God's revelation is revealed, we will see who Jesus is, that he is truly the Son of God. And we know that this is a theme throughout John. He lays it plainly out for us in John 20, verse 31. He says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is the purpose of what we are reading. That we may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that we would find life in his name. And so as we walk through this passage, may we have that in the back of our minds as we continue to look through this narrative. And so as we continue on, Jesus makes another profound statement about his love. We see that Jesus is the one who loves, but we see this interesting way in how he shows this love. Jesus loved Martha, in verse 5 it says. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I don't know about you, but when I hear about someone being sick or ill or even dying, my first thought isn't, I'm not going to go see them. That doesn't seem like a very loving thing to do in my eyes. But Jesus had a deeper purpose in this. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Because before our bodies, God's purpose is to save our souls. For he knows that nothing is greater in this world than knowing him, than knowing our Heavenly Father, our Creator, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who sent his Son to die for us. And so he calls us to wait, to believe, to hope, to trust, and to rest in him, even in these circumstances that we would see the glory of him, that his glory would be revealed, that his character be revealed to us, and that we would praise and glorify his name, even through these harsh circumstances. Mary, Martha, Lazarus all went through pain and suffering. And yet, it was for God's glory. It is so that we know that not even the physical saving of a person's life is in comparison to the lasting, eternal glory that Jesus lavishes upon us. And of course, don't hear what I'm not saying. Please, if someone is dying, go and visit them. Pray with them. Point them to the hope that is found only in Christ. But help them to understand that in all these circumstances, God can be glorified through this. And we have a wonderful, beautiful God who comforts us in that time. But the issue is is that if we start to think that God is only glorified and that God only loves us and that God is only good in the circumstances that turn out well for us, that work the way that we want to, or when suffering ceases, that God is only glorified in those moments, then we have a very big misunderstanding of our God and how he works and in who he is. A very little faith in his plan for us and a very false understanding of the reason that Jesus died for us. See, the suffering circumstances in which God brings glory to himself are not void of his love, but in fact point us directly to his love. They point us to the love that he has for us and how he continues to walk with us 
in that. There's a beautiful quote by John Piper as he talks about God's love. He says, God's love is his doing whatever needs to be done at whatever cost to himself or to us that we will see and be satisfied with the glory and love of God in Jesus Christ. Whatever the cost. But do we often have that same mindset that, God, whatever the cost it is for you to bring me to it, understanding and belief in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, whatever the cost it may be, if you take all these things away, God, will I still be satisfied in you? Will I still trust in you? Will I still believe that you are good and you are faithful and you save us from eternity in hell? God's desire, Jesus' desire is that we would see his glory, for that is the greatest thing that we can see. In John 17, 24, Jesus prays for us, which is such a profound thing to think. Way back then, Jesus prayed for us. He said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prayed that we would see his glory because of the Father's love for him. And he shares that love with us. As we continue in verse 7, though, we see that the disciples are fearful as Jesus announces their departure back to Judea, the place where not too long ago the Jews were attempting to stone and kill Jesus. So, I mean, their fear is understanding. Jesus uses this metaphor, though, to explain his reasoning seeming to reference what he said back in chapter 9 of John, verses 4 to 5. He says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. See, the Romans and Jews would divide the daylight period into 12 hours. During the day hours, you could see, you could work, and you would not stumble. But when darkness came, they would cease working it was dangerous. You would easily trip and fall. Understandable enough. I've tripped in the dark enough times. (laughs) But what Jesus is truly saying is that he is the light of the world and he's continuing to do the will of the Father and his time is coming soon when he'll die on the cross, rise again and be in heaven and the disciples will no longer have him here on earth. He will gift them with the Holy Spirit but he will not be with them. And so he will continue to work as it is day until his hour comes to die. His enemies would not kill him until this appointed time. He was for certain that when he went to Judea to see Lazarus, his enemies could not touch him. He's saying to his disciples, do not fear. Don't be burdened by the threats and attempts. God's plan cannot be thwarted. Follow and believe. In verse 11, we see that Jesus, in his foreknowledge, knew already of Lazarus' death after those two days. Even though the messenger only came to tell of an illness, and so the disciples were confused because they thought that Lazarus was just ill, and that if he has just fallen asleep, as Jesus said, he will recover. But Jesus ever spoke plainly that Lazarus has died. As I've grown, I've come to appreciate people in my life who speak hard, difficult truth. Things like, Matt, you're going to want to rethink this. 
or I don't think that this is the right way to go. I respect and desire and invite that wisdom and feedback and advice, that rebuke and criticism, even if that means it's going to be painful. Because I know they love me, and ultimately they care for my soul, that I would live and grow in Christ. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. We continue to see his love even for his disciples. He's bringing them into a place that they are fearful, that they think they will die. And yet he continues to show them his love and his deep love for their soul, that they would be saved, they would believe in him. Because he's going to show them something that they did not expect, something greater, and his power over even death. Because we have a God who, no offense to my friends who are very wise and give me great advice, is way wiser and powerful and more loving than even them. Let us trust him as we move forward in those things. And so they go. They go to Lazarus. And Jesus has a conversation with Martha who comes to see him. We see that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. His body has been dead. There's no possibility for resuscitation. He's not coming back to life. Bethany was close to Jerusalem, and as per custom in the culture, many came to mourn with the family, to gather together to grieve the loss of Lazarus. But upon hearing of Jesus, Martha left and went to go meet him, while Mary remained. And Jesus calls her to see who he truly is. See, Martha's statement to Jesus can seem to be one of almost blame and rebuke, saying, Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. But in fact, it's actually more showing a faith that she has in who he is, knowing that if he truly was there, he could have healed Lazarus. For certain, he would be able to heal her brother as he had healed others. However, continuing on, it's seen that she doesn't expect that Jesus will raise him from the dead, at least not now. But looking ahead to the last days when Jesus responds that he will rise again, thinking that he will rise when everyone will be rise and God will judge all in the last days. But Jesus points her not only to the assurance of this last day resurrection, but also points her to himself as the resurrection and the life. As other I am statements did, this statement pointed back to Jesus fulfilling prophecies and promises of God in the Old Testament. As in Hosea 6.2 and Ezekiel 37, in Hosea's the return of the land of the promise, a promise to the exiles, it's depicted as a resurrection, of being raised from the dead. Or in Ezekiel 37, when God brings the dry bones to life. Jesus is saying is that he is that resurrection. He will bring people back to life for he himself is life. And how does one receive life from Jesus but by believing and trusting with faith that he is the Son of God? It 
It is the gospel of Jesus. As we read in 2 Corinthians 15, it's simply that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. If we believe this, we find life in Jesus. Not only does he raise the dead to life on the last day, but he is the resurrection and the life. Not only does he perform these things, but Jesus is these things. He is life. Those who may die here, yet we live. Everyone who lives and believes shall never truly die, but are raised up into eternal life with God in heaven. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Because Jesus, who lived a sinless life, is very soon going to be arrested and killed on a cross. He will give up his life for those whom he loves. Though they have sinned against him, though they don't deserve it, he will give up his life. But because he is the resurrection and the life, he will not stay dead, but rise again, that whoever believes in him will not perish in hell, but live in glory of God forever. The signs that Jesus does point to who he is, that we may believe that he is the Son of God. And soon we will see the sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, showing that Jesus has the power over all things, even death. For he is the resurrection and the life. As he says to Martha, do you believe this? And she says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into this world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross? Do you believe that he rose again? For he is the only way to true life, for he is the resurrection and the life. And the things that he does point us to who he is. As it says in John 10, verses 37 to 38, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And in John 10, 17 to 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, the one and only way for you to receive true life? Do you believe? I pray that you do. As we look to the sign of Jesus raising Lazarus. As we continue in verse 28, Martha goes to get Mary after her conversation with Jesus. She goes to get Mary to come and talk to Jesus. And as Mary leaves, the crowd also follows her, those who are mourning with her. And as she approaches Jesus, she falls to her knees before him and says the exact same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. From what we've read so far, we can see God's plan playing out through all of this. And sometimes we can almost rest on this sovereign plan 
in seeing it in, in the wrong way. Almost seeing God as a, a puppet master, orchestrating all this as a setup, as dramatic tension, void of his compassion and sympathy and love for us. But that is not our God. He does not take pleasure in the suffering of his children. But in fact, he is a great sympathizer for us. He understands. He has walked through it. He knows the difficulties, the pain, the hurt, the temptation. As it says in Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So easily in difficult circumstances, we can feel that God doesn't care. We can feel that God doesn't love us, that he doesn't understand because he's God. How can he understand what we feel, what we go through in our humanity? We can get angry at God for not understanding, or we can even downplay our emotional impact of things because what does it matter if God's in control of everything? Yet this passage shows us our Savior who loves, who cares, who's emotionally involved, even when he knows what is about to happen and what he is about to do. When Jesus saw Mary and the Jews weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus wept. Such a profound verse. Our Creator, our Lord, our God, who is holy and perfect, who created all things, who has power over death, sees our feeble bodies, sees our sorrows, sees our hurts, our pains, and he wept. This needs to be unpacked that we better understand Jesus' heart in all of this. Jesus loves and cares and is compassionate. We see his compassionate and understanding heart. He cares for these people and he knows the hurt and pain of the death of a loved one. We see also, though, that we see his face in the face of broken and sin and death and the, that the wrath of God towards these things starts to well up. He sees the pain that sin has caused in the world that he created. In his image bearers. Jesus seeing the unbelief in who he is, the hopelessness, the outcomes of sin, the death, he is grieved. Since Adam and Eve, he has endured the destruction of sin. The destruction that sin has taken on creation. But we see in this small verse of Jesus wept. We see a perfect balance, both of these workings in tandem together, of Jesus' humanity and deity. As Jesus weeps, we see his humanity moving in perfect dance with his deity, his holiness and his compassion in the reaction to the weeping, which seemed absent of hope and belief in the truth revealed of the Father in Christ. Jesus gives us a taste of God's grief in our suffering and death, and shows us that he is there and, and he is our greatest comfort and hope in something so dark and despairing and something that we have no control over. We've not been abandoned. 
We've not been abandoned to a world in which he was unwilling to enter. We suffer no pain he was unwilling to bear. We have no grief he was unwilling to carry. He's not left us on our own, but he walks with us through it. And so Jesus is about to show the people who he is. That death will not overcome him as it points us to his own death. We see Martha's concern for the odor as Jesus asks for the stone to be rolled away, showing that she didn't fully comprehend, even still after her conversation with Jesus, of what he was about to do. Some reacted to Jesus recognizing his love, and others questioned why he would not have saved Lazarus if he could have. But Jesus prays and shows the relationship that he has with the Father, that he is the Son of God, that he and the Father are one, and what he asks of the Father, the Father will give him, because his will and the Father's will are so perfectly in line that what Jesus does is what the Father wills. Jesus had already asked for Lazarus to be raised, and therefore simply thanks God for hearing him, knowing that God always hears him, and says this on account, again, for those to believe in him. The purpose of this is that we would believe. And so he calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The once dead raised to life by Jesus. So as we walk through this narrative, we see that Jesus shows his power over death, bringing God glory, pointing us to believe and rest in him as the resurrection and the life. But how does this change us? How is this going to change us as we leave from here Jesus has a power even over death. And if we do not need to fear death, then what do we have to fear in this life? What is worth, worse than death? What do we fear? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So let us be bold and confident in living for Christ and proclaiming the gospel. Our God has conquered death itself. He died and he was raised. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Let us fear our God, not man, with reverence and awe, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Let us be bold and confident in living for Christ, for we have nothing to fear. Let us proclaim the gospel of Christ, sharing the hope and peace and comfort we have in this world, regardless of the circumstances that come into our life, we can say that our God is good, for he came to the earth and he rose again after he died on the cross. He conquered death. Romans eight thirty-seven to 39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Are we living with that verse in mind each and every day? I pray that we are. Let us be empowered by the word of God, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Those who are his are his, and he holds on to us tightly. When trials and sufferings come, we can grieve and mourn. God's not saying, don't be emotional. God's not saying, don't be hurt by the pain and loss of a loved one who died. But don't be hopeless. We have a Savior who understands. We have a Savior who died. We have a Savior who rose. We have a Savior who gives us new life in Him, who sympathizes and comforts us as He points us to Himself, the resurrection and the life. True life comes from Him. Even in the face of death, we do not fear. And so let us say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Death is not the end for those who believe in Christ. And so I encourage you, if you have not put your faith in Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, I pray that you do so this morning. God's arms are open as he calls us to himself to come and confess, to repent of our sins, to see that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, but it is resting in Christ with faith that he is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, and that he rose again. I pray that you believe. And if you do believe, I pray that you continue to trust. As you continue to come out on, to church on Sunday, as you gather with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the week, remind each other of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Let our perspective of God and who he is, his wisdom, his purpose, and his plan be aligned with his word to us. Not allowing our circumstances to dictate who God is, for he does not change. He is the same forever and ever. The raising of Lazarus occurring before Jesus was in fact a sign, the climactic sign of something even greater yet to come. That Jesus would die and that he would rise again. And that he points us to the last days, the final resurrection. And let us look ahead to that with hope. As it says in Revelation 21.4, death shall be no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and as he raises Lazarus, he points us to his power over death, to bring glory to God that we would trust and believe in him as that resurrection and the life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, I'm just in awe of who you are this morning. As we reflect upon what we've read from God's word, God, I pray that we would trust and believe. God, knowing that you use all circumstances in our life to point us to you, to bring glory to your name. As we see the working and love of Christ in these things, God, even something as horrible as death, God, you use it to bring you glory. And we know that because of what you have done in Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again. He paid the punishment. He reconciled us to himself. He restored the relationship with you that whoever believes in you will not perish, but have eternal life. God, we look ahead to that with hope. God, give us confidence. Give us trust. Give us belief in Jesus as the Son of God. And God, may that change us in how we live. May we not walk in fear, God, even in this time 
uh, with COVID going around, God, may we not fear death, but God, may we seek to live for you. God, if we are close to our deathbed, may we die well, knowing that, God, to die is gain, for we will be with you in heaven. So God, may it change how we live here. May we show the love that you've shown us. God, may we walk through these circumstances knowing that you're a comforter, a sympathizer. May we not forget who you are, and may our circumstances not change our perspective of who you are. But God, may we come to your word and see the truth of how, throughout the Bible, you are bringing and redeeming a people to yourself through Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name, amen.